0: Welcome to Faith and Fable, a pastoral podcast that discusses common and often controversial topics from a biblical perspective. My name is Matt Miller.
1: And I'm Matt Henry, and we are back with the topic of parenting. And so today what we wanna do is pick up where we left off and talk about more things parents ought to do in this very all-important task of parenting their children. Um, Really, it's important to every aspect of one's life, so it will apply to everyone, but especially when it comes to training and raising your own children. And it's something that's easily forgotten and the cost can be rather enormous. But before we do it, we want to get to the questions and answer a few more questions that were posed to us. And we really appreciate all of you who are sending these questions in. They're, they're helpful, they, they give us a sense of what's on your mind and what's important. So you wanna uh, read the first one? Yeah. Um... Remember, we're not disclosing names.
0: Okay. Um, <laughs> uh, so, first first question here. Uh, so, how do you address heart issues and sin issues with very young children, two to three years old, in a way that they can understand? How old are yours? Four, five, four. <laughs> five. There's a father. I don't know. <laughs> should be five here. in And two, uh, and then and
1: two right? Yeah. So, how, how do you do it?
0: Well... Um, with Naomi, who's a little bit older now, um, we st- we, we've we we been able to now start speaking to the heart issues. With Levi, not so much yet. right? Because we're just trying to get him to, as we talked about in the past, just hear our voice so that when he is about Naomi's age, we can start. We started it probably a year ago or so with Naomi, just trying to speak to the motivations of why she disobeys and those kinds of things. And so we're talking about, of course, blessing and I don't use the word cursing, but <laughs> consequences <laughs> to sin and stuff like that. But we make certain that our language just drips with what honors God. And she probably doesn't understand all the implications of that yet. But she's getting the verbiage. And she's understanding there's there's something bigger going on here than just yeah. obedience to mom and dad or disobedience to mom and dad. That's good. She, so she doesn't have it all figured
1: out. It's not like you're some master right. communicator of deep spiritual truth to her. But she's
0: getting the sense that it's more than just eat all my food. right. Yep, Um, there 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 should be a motivation behind that, Um, and so also one of the things we do is when she disobey,s we make certain that she prays. Well, she's first of all got to ask for forgiveness, so she understands that hey, I've offended another party besides me. You know, Um, so she has to ask forgiveness from Levi sometimes, and she'll give him a hug, and she doesn't like that one because he's littler than her, and (laughs) (laughs) it's like uh, he's he's littler, so he shouldn't get my you know have to, it doesn't matter. Um, but when she she offends mom or dad, she certainly understands that she's done something wrong there, and she has to seek forgiveness from us. And she's actually starting to do that a little bit on her own.
1: Oh, that's which cool. Which we
0: like. She yeah. has, there's something grieving within her, hopefully. Um, if not, she certainly understands there's something wrong that she's done. And so her on her own, she'll go and seek that forgiveness. And then we'll pray with her. Um, and she knows that she has to pray to God and ask for forgiveness. And those kinds of things so she understands there's there's something spiritual going on there it's not just the issue at present there's something deeper behind this and so hopefully as she gets a little bit older she's going to understand now more fully the nature of what sin is but
1: you actually tell her she needs to go seek mommy's forgiveness right (laughs) absolutely yeah so so you're not assuming now this is a four-year-old but and and the question is for two to three-year-olds but You're not assuming that she'll just figure this out on her own. You still see even those things, the heart issues, they need to be instructed. And and there has to be methods and practice and verbiage attached to that. And that's what you guys are supplying her. And so right now you're helping her understand, no, you you got to go to mom. We're putting the
0: infrastructure in place. (laughs) Right,
1: right. Well, but that's important because I yeah. think a lot of parents are frustrated. They're like, "Well, he just doesn't get it." It's like, "Have you ever actually taught him how to s- yeah. seek forgiveness?" Um, and and they're like, uh, "No." Yeah.
0: So d- just that act in and of itself of having to go and seek forgiveness is creating in her, Lord willing, a knowledge that there's more than just her involved here, right? That right. that there's right because right now you you see how utterly selfish these. Things are, these kids are, right? Because it's all about them. You and, think?
1: Yeah. yeah, and 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 I might say you're you just made a very strong statement of how, how utterly selfish they are, and I love them. I love those two greatly, um, but it's true. Yeah. Yeah. And and it's that's not a harsh statement. It's not like they're just vile. They're good children, but they are very motivated by just themselves and what makes them happy.
0: Yeah, yeah. So we would say. I mean, just to make it in a statement here. Um, yeah, we're setting up the infrastructure right now at ages two and three, giving them the language, the verbiage, those words that you used. Um, and it's. I think it's going to be more organically developed that like in a year from now, she's going to totally get the concept that she needs to learn to be other oriented and there's more in the world than just her and that her decisions and actions have negative consequences on other people, but also herself. And so the idea of having to seek forgiveness and also certainly including that language of that dishonors God. Um, that does not glorify God. We're trying to put in her mind a vision that, hey, there's a God that exists, and he has the right to control all that we do, and he does control all we do, but we're accountable to him ultimately. And we've offended him. You, know, you didn't just offend mom or dad, you've offended your creator. And so you need to seek forgiveness both from us when you sin against us but also, and more importantly, him. Well, and, and what we would then also say is when you're, now we'll
1: go back to the two and three-year-old child, is that, again, what you said was, just get them to hear your voice. You're not going to be able to uh, address abstract concepts real well with a two or three-year-old. They're, they, they're, they're going to nod and they might parrot back something, but the, the ability to grasp that is probably going to be rather limited. But they do understand disobedience and consequence and and that's so that's all you're really teaching them is when they don't hear your voice, when they don't obey meaning uh, when they don't come right away when you call them, when they don't stop when you tell them stop that there's a consequence to that and and you you start start to assign verbiage like that was disobedience and and if you want you can say and you sinned against your mommy when you did that. And now you're going to receive a discipline because all you're doing is preparing them. One, there's twofold in my mind, at least. I, you can weigh in if you want, but there, there is, you're wanting them to understand that they disobeyed mom and dad, and therefore there's a consequence. There's that immediate discipline because you want them to learn to obey quickly. Um, because later on when they're bigger, you if you're still fighting with them just Doing simple obedience, like clean the room, um, you've already lost the battle in many ways because you're still yelling at them about their room being cleaned up. How are you going to address that hard issue? But the other side is that you're preparing them to understand then that there is also sin and consequence on the much bigger levels, i.e., hell. because they 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 don't live under just the the eye and the care of their parents, but they live under the eye and care of God. But that's going to be coming later on um, as they get older, and you can mm-hmm. continue to expand. Would you would you say yeah, that's absolutely. essentially? So don't worry too much about the heart issue. In yeah. other words, um, just worry about the event that the child, you know, slapped her sister or uh, refused to. Obey, or didn't uh, spit out the food and complained about it, rather than showing respect. That's sin. That's disobedience. Just deal with it, discipline it, and and they're beginning to understand that there's this transaction going on. Yep. Yeah, and
0: so, and that there's consequences, yeah. and that will set you up then when they get a little bit older. To now begin to discuss the nature of forgiveness yeah, and that Christ bore those consequences for you. But if they don't understand the nature of consequences, they're not going to understand the nature of, well, you wouldn't use this word, but substitutionary atonement, yeah. right? The yeah. gospel, in other
1: words. Well, and then well, the other thing on this is, and I think we've already talked about, but um, in one of the parenting, don't make it a big, long process every time. The vast majority right. of disobedience requires just a quick, simple discipline, rebuke, if it's just a re, something that needs a rebuke, or if not, a flat-out discipline, and then what you did was this, therefore, this is what you have coming to you, and now it's resolved, now go and obey. Um, it, if it takes you more than two, three minutes, you're making this far too complex for them and you, and frankly, you're not going to be faithful um, because, and we're going to get into this in our uh, episodes today, so we won't go further than that. Yep. All right, so the next question, we actually have a couple from this mom. Um, she writes, I have a super smart three-year-old, and I know this three-year-old, and I can attest to it, um, uh, who says or asks very big questions. Uh, for example, she asked me, if God created the bad snake, or she asked, if God was the one who created the bad snake, and I said yes, and she was horrified and asked why, to which I said, I don't know, and she was not satisfied with that answer, and I said, hmm, maybe you can ask God someday. Many times, uh, I, I, I answer that way, and I always feel lames, and someday soon, she will catch on that's a lame answer, too. <laughs> so, what can I do or be sane instead? Well, uh, first of all, you
0: have to learn the nature of superlapsarianism. lapsarianism. <laughs> In contradistinction to infra and sublapse areas. <laughs> <laughs> no. <laughs> um, yeah, the ordus Salutis. <laughs> I mean, uh, no. First of
1: all, your your answer isn't that bad. I, I was uh, just going to say, that's um, a good answer. It, it, you might as well get your child to learn early that you don't have every answer um, and that there is are things that are the scripture just doesn't tell us. So, what you're going to say is the Bible, I, the way I would answer it is the Bible doesn't tell us. Um, that would be probably the better term. And so, all you, what, because what you're doing in a subtle way is instructing the child that your authority comes from the word. So, yes, there was this serpent. Um, by the way, I would argue it wasn't a snake per se, but a serpent in the garden and, um, and we know what the serpent did, and we know that the Bible attaches that to be being Satan himself, according to Revelation. Um, but the why? It was for God's glory, and that we don't always understand that. And right now, that will be enough. That will be enough. Just say the Bible doesn't tell us, sweetie, and so then you can say, but you, but we'll, and so we just need to trust that God knows. Uh, I actually posted a repost of a comment I made last year or two um about god that the goodness of god is not outside of him uh, it's not something that he that he attains to but that that goodness is very much his being and therefore by by the very fact that god is by his nature good everything he does is good but the same is not true of a person and so We have to begin to teach our children right away that whatever God does, it's still good. Um, When he orders the destruction of Jericho, and it says, even infants and and nursing children it does it, that, we say that's horrible no it's not not when it comes from god it's good he is the creator he has that right yeah. um and so that concept then informs my parenting when i tell my children this is what this was what god chose and then they say well how it say the bible doesn't say but i know that god is good and therefore it's good and we need to trust him because if not you're going to always come up with more and more complex answers that they'll just keep picking that, and because it's logically based rather than by
0: faith, um, it it will eventually disintegrate some way. Yeah,
1: if that makes sense. No, that's a
0: good answer. Yeah, and just at a personal level, I would say you don't have to feel lame because you're in good company with Paul. Yeah. Right. So he writes, he pens Romans one through eleven, and then, which is great, rich, deep, dense theology. And then at the very end, he just launches into. Oh, the depths of God, and uh, uh, the riches, and how unsearchable His ways! are inscrutable right. is just, yeah. So He ultimately is saying, "I know so much, but it will get to the point where I just don't know."
1: Well, and we even said that with uh, in our past things on systematic theology, that especially with the doctrine of God, that you can zero in and um, make. Um, we're we're both trying to light our cigars, and we're we're both reaching across the table. Good thing we don't have a ditto can. Um, but what what now? I totally lost my That's right. my frame of thinking. It's it's yeah. There you go. Light it up. Um, it. It is complex. It is hard. Uh, God is doing far more than what we can comprehend. But you're instructing your children wonderfully when you acknowledge. I don't understand it either. Um, Probably just as a pastor, I I think one of the most valuable lessons I learned— after a few years of pastoring, um, I, I I fell into the trap of always trying to give a good answer. Uh, I've learned that there's times you just need to weep with people. There's just times you have to say, I don't know why. I don't know why the Lord took your child. I just, I don't know. Um, and then I go back to the goodness of God and and his wisdoms and, and, and his ways. They're just They're a mystery to us. And so in systematic theology, you can drill down really fine and clear with a person and attributes of God, but at some point they then go back out into the mystery of his infinitude. Is that a word? Um, Yeah.
0: Yeah. Well, and that's almost an exact statement I made when I was teaching fundamentals of the faith to some folks not long ago, and I said, look at almost every major doctrine of the Christian faith push to its final end will result for us on this side of heaven in mystery um, because God is infinite and we are not. And that's a good thing. You don't want to worship a God who you got all figured out because then he is not God <laughs> in some yeah. way. Your mind is. And So, so uh,
1: when they're 10, so is Jesus man? Yes. But I thought he was God. He's God. But I thought you said he's man. He is. How's that work? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, the scripture says this, and so we accept it. Um, but you're actually helping your child because you have to become comfortable with the mysteriousness of God. It it it's more. He's far more complex than anything uh, we'll ever come up with. So you're yeah. actually doing fine with your answer. Uh, yeah. But uh, we would commend that idea. She also came up with another one. You want to get Yeah, I'll one? read this
0: one, and then you can answer. Um, it says, I thought of another one. Uh, I'm currently reading a parenting book that mentions taking advantage of the, the little years where parents are the most important voice in their kids' lives and have the most influence, as opposed to when they're teens and preteens, when they care less about what parents think and more about what peers and others think. I've heard this many times. It's frustrating to me. I'd obviously like to be an influencing voice to my children, even as they are older. As parents of preschoolers, I wonder, is this true that my influence goes away as my kids are preteens? I understand taking advantage of the little years, but also want to find ways to be a guiding voice to my children as they grow older, hoping for tips and hope. Yeah. So she's given a very common uh, concern. First
1: of all, my counsel to her is don't worry about what's not yet in front of you. Um, You can get so caught up in trying to do that that you end up not taking advantage of those early years. So, yeah, your child, if if you're, first of all, remember that you're training your child not just to be a godly person, um, and therefore you're, pointing them always to Christ, but then also preparing them to walk in Christ, uh, what it looks like. But you're also preparing your children to leave. The worst thing you can see is children who don't leave their home. Uh, there's something wrong there. there. I mean, a 30-year-old should not be living in your basement um, at, at, except for unique situations. Um and so, as, as you, they're moving more and more toward adulthood, remember that the biblical idea of adulthood would be about 13. Right. Um, and so, when they're moving into that adulthood, they should be forming their own opinions. They should be starting to stand on their own two feet, financially, physically, and also spiritually. And so, they're going to start making decisions. So, I, I, I disciple two uh, teenagers, and we just had our last meeting a couple days ago. And talking to one of them, it was very clear that he's got some very strong thoughts about how life's going to be for him. Um, and it was fun because I, 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 you're smiling. I had the same <laughs> smile inside. I'm just like, yeah, dude, you, you don't even know what's coming. But I praised him, and I told him that those are it's up to him. He's going to have to think that way. And he's got all kinds of other voices. You can pretend that uh, your child will not gain other voices into uh, his or her life, but you're fooling yourself. There's no way that you can prevent them from hearing uh, unless you completely disconnect from this world. You go off into some uh, hermit-like lifestyle. Um, So how how do you maintain a voice in their life? By not being a jerk of a parent in their younger lives you Know, not by abandoning them when they when when you train your child to be exasperated, when you train your child not to hear your voice, when they you train your child in the young years to that obedience is optional, then when things really matter, when they're 13, 14, I remember like with my children, um, like my son, as I, one of the talks I had when he was 16, he got a ticket, um. You know he had made just a bad decision. It wasn't a horrible thing, but he had made a bad decision while he was driving. It got him a ticket. and so I talked to him about it. I said, I said, let's look at your decision making. And he ex- I said, tell me what you were thinking." And his thinking made sense. It was wrong, <laughs> but it made sense. You could see he was actually, and that's why I was I told him I said okay, I actually praised him for that that okay, you were you were trying to make a good, reasonable decision, but it was stupid. So let me show you why and how you should have. And I did that. But I also told him, look, buddy, when you hit 18, uh, everything's on you. Right now, it's still on me. But when you hit eighteen legally, it's all on you, and you need to get these things worked out. Um, but I wasn't ranting at him. I wasn't just lecturing him. Um, I was wanting. I was trying to talk to him as a fellow adult, even though he's much younger, and my my son. So that uh he could see that I was still on his side. So if you wanna if you want your child to be listening to you in those preteen teenage years, you want to develop within them that they have a real respect and love for what you're already telling them. They know you're on their side. They know that you're uh you're telling them what's good and right. And um, and so that should follow actually after they're even out when they leave home, that there will be times that they'll wanna ask you for counsel because they respect you. Um, they know that you've been an honorable parent. So I would not worry too much about what's coming in the preteen years. I would instead focus on you have a two- or three-year-old, fine. Train them to hear your voice. Teach them to be quick to obey. And as each step naturally develops, speak into their heart, and I think that you'll be able to speak. Uh, Deal with them. We're also going to deal with this uh, in the parenting thing. So we'll give you practical things to come with that. But I hope that helps. You got anything you'd add? No, that's good. Okay. So those are the questions for today. And now let's get into parenting. So, what we want to do is give you a few more, I think three key principles on parenting. So, the next first one is we want you to focus your attention upon your children and not others. Um, why do we say it? Well, it's very easy to become a very a self-proclaimed expert in child rearing, uh, but we all need to remember that opinions are very cheap. Uh, many people find it very easy to focus on the problems of other children rather than simply examining their own children. In the same way, many parents will determine that other parents are not doing things the best way while their own parenting actions are weak at best. And this is very frustrating. So uh, as a pastor, I will talk to parents at times about choices and they'll say, well, so-and-so. And it's like, I'm not talking about them. In fact, you shouldn't either. My question is, what are you doing? And and I realize already that they're comparing themselves with others, and they're saying, "Well, I, we're not doing as bad as them." And it's like that's not the point. Are you being faithful? Um, Matthew seven talks about that we need to be looking at ourselves first, so we don't we do not judge, so that you will not be judged. And and that's a, a very simple simple principle to take into parenting. Why? Because in the way you judge, you'll be judged, and by your standard measure, it will be measured to you. Why? you look at the speck that is in your brother's eye, but do not notice a log that is in your own eye? Or how can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your eye and behold, the log is in your own. So before you start looking at other parents and still telling them how to do it, make certain that you've been faithful, that you're addressing the things that you ought to be doing, not quick to judge the others out there. Uh, in other words, we have to learn earn the right to be heard and respected and that's why Titus Paul tells Titus in Titus 2 that the older women are to be teaching the younger women how to love their children and their husbands and to keep their homes This all presupposes that the older women have made it their goal and purpose to become experts in this area. Uh, There are, frankly, many older women who really have very little authority to speak, and young parents who are wise will realize that those voices simply should not be heard. If you don't get what I'm saying, I'm saying, and Matt and I have talked about this, look at the fruit of Older parents and what they produce. And if they produce poor fruit, why are you listening to them? Why would you really take their words to heart? Or why would you go and seek their counsel? Uh, Really, frankly, you want to learn to be very picky with whom you listen to for advice. Uh, Seek the direction of older, mature believers who've raised up godly children. And for you, while you're in this process of parenting, be very slow to look outside your household. You've got enough problems with those few sinners living among you,
0: uh, including yourself. Yeah. Second, we would say be focused on the spiritual side of the child. So the Bible doesn't disregard the need to be developed in a balanced way. Um, You know, we could say like practical skills, these kinds of things. But the preeminent goal of all parents is to raise godly children. So 1 Timothy 4, 7 through 9 says, but have nothing to do with worldly fables fit for old women. On the other hand, discipline yourself for the purpose of godliness, for bodily discipline is only of little profit. So he's not saying it's of no profit, but but of little profit. But godliness is profitable for all things since it holds promise for the present life and also for the life to come. It is a trustworthy statement deserving full acceptance. So this is... Utterly critical for each parent to understand. We have to constantly examine um what we're doing and what we're hoping to develop in our child. Think of the massive amount of time and money that's invested in learning, for example, instruments, singing lessons, sports clinics, boys and girls scouts. Or is it them and they scouts? <laughs> or the Zer and Z. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, art lessons, the, these kinds of things. Um, but So they're learning all these skills, but with almost no focus upon their heart. Um, so ask yourself these questions, and we have quite a list here. But do I pray for spiritual development of my children? And we would ask, what is the content and priority of those prayers? What are you actually praying for them for their spiritual development and why? So yeah, So often they're just praying, keep them safe. Yep. Keep them
1: happy. Let them win the softball game. You're like, what do you? What yeah.
0: exactly is the content that you pray for? Right. So, how biblically informed is the shape of your prayer? Yeah. Uh, and for what purpose? Uh, you know. So, do do I set godly examples for my children to actually see? That would be a good question. So, television shows and movies that you watch. For uh, Thessalonians four three says, "For this is the will of God." your sanctification, and then he defines there what that sanctification is. That is that you abstain from sexual immorality. It's um, so not you, a hard one. You don't
1: need to know Greek what for, to understand this.
0: Right, right. Um, another one is the language that you use um, or that you allow them or that you tolerate even. Maybe you don't use it, but you tolerate it. So Ephesians four twenty nine: let no unwholesome word proceed from your mouth. So that's pretty um, broad. Uh, yeah, broad, it's a word. <laughs> yeah. But only such a word as is good for edification according to the need of the moment so that it will give grace to those who hear. Um, so, what are you modeling? Uh, and, and, or, and what are you modeling and what are you talking about when it comes, for instance, to things like business practices or money management, uh, issues related to self control, um, marriage roles, decision making? leisure activities, all of these kinds of things. A big one is church relationships. So Hebrews ten twenty five, you have an explicit verse, not forsaking our own assembling together, as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another, and all the more until you see the day drawing nearer. And, and we've talked about this again already, but that
1: one's a huge one because y- you're so busy pursuing tournaments or Leisure activities or whatever you're, you got. I remember early on at at our church, we had people who had two or three weeks paid vacation, and they would work it with the festivals. During the summertime, and so basically these people were gone the entire summer because they would take uh, a one-day vacation. So they would be gone on a Saturday, Sunday, and Monday, or a Friday, Saturday, and Sunday, uh, so they could hit all the festivals. And they were all about their festivals and having a great time. But it's like you're communicating something to your child. There, there's a spiritual lack of development here, or. You're developing, but you're developing them to see no value in that church. So uh, don't don't just say yeah, yeah. We got that. It's like, do you have you? It, it'd be interesting if some parents would actually take role um, for a whole year uh, as to them and their spouse and their children on attendance. How often do they miss? You only have 52 Sundays,
0: and uh, it's not hard to be right. only there 25 days out of a year. Right. Yeah, and i would just. And on top of that, and this we could maybe talk about in a different episode too, but also how what is the the talk and the tone of your home as you're preparing for Sunday? You know, is it just kind of like, well, we can't do that because we gotta go to church? Yeah. Or, you know, whatever. Or is it, hey, we're gonna, we're gonna clear space, we're gonna get to bed early because we have church and we're gonna go worship with you know the brothers that, and sisters that's
1: so subtle but that's that that is true it's still not a burden it's a privilege it's yeah, a joy
0: exactly yeah. and especially Good now point. where we're seeing many churches not able to gather and pastors are being put in prison or jail these kinds of things um, so so create an atmosphere of joy and and you're looking forward to that another one would be gossip so proverbs 20 verse 19 he who goes about as a slander reveals secrets Therefore, do not associate with a gossip. Um, Obeying the law would be another one. Romans 13, that famous passage, every person is to be in subjection to the governing authorities, for there is no authority except from God, and those which exist are established by God. Uh, Or 1 Peter 2, 16 through 17, act as free men and do not use your freedom as a covering for evil, but use it as uh, bond slaves, of God. Honor all people, love the brotherhood, fear God, honor the king.
1: Yeah, there's now, you, you just mentioned people being in jail. Uh, the pastor up in Canada, he just got released, and so now they just, the government has just church, fenced yeah. off their church, and so they're facing new things. There are places where you will disobey. You need to say, uh, we're going to, as Acts say, obey God rather than man. Um, and But that's done with great, reluctance um, what we're talking about when we say obey law is that you want them to be people who are raised to respect the law enforcement and and those in authority you're you're not tolerating that one of the great sins on Facebook is how often overt disrespect is given um, uh, publicly deriding uh, our governing authorities whether we like it or not they are there in Romans 13 doesn't allow for us, if we don't like them, to then dis- <laughs> disregard right. the overt command of the scripture. Uh, some other things that we'll uh, toss out. Do I ignore biblical commands? And here, what I mean by that is commands, not principles. They're, uh, do I ignore biblical commands because I don't technically agree with them? Um, that, that's just inexcusable. So, James 4, 17, therefore, the one for... To the one who knows the right thing to do and does not do it, to him it is sin. Uh, there might be a principle that you say I don't. I don't agree with how they dealt with that passage. Uh, I and and therefore I'm not. I'm not under compulsion to submit to that because it's a principle. It's a step away from a command. But if, if the Bible says abstain from sexual immorality, th- there's nothing subtle about that. And so when you sit there and allow your children or yourself to listen to music like, and, and it has warning, explicit label or explicit lyrics uh, attached to it, why are you listening to that? I remember um, Kanye, when Kanye first became or made a profession of faith, how many people were uh, on facebook talking about oh man i used to listen to all, I, I i love all of his other ones even though some of them are a little off in like, so i went back and heard some of his lyrics and i was like that's explicitly immoral and you should well, why why are all these christians intimately aware of kanye's music a, a christian should not be aware of filthy music um does that make sense? Yeah. I mean, it's just, it's subtle, but we, we put up with so much because we like the beat, we like the this or that. It's like, no, you, you, you should not have anything to do with those things. Another thing we, we would say is, do you discuss the reality of sin with your child? Um, this can go in so many different ways, but just how often do you have discussions about how sin works itself out on a macro and micro level, I would say? Do, you, uh, do I understand exactly what the gospel is? And do I personally believe it, and and can I properly teach it to my child? You and I have both, uh, you've actually taught me this uh, when you and I would conduct a membership interview. I think one of the first questions you always ask is, can you just tell me the gospel? And I never used that question, but it was very revealing how many of them—now, it might be because they're staring at two pastors, <laughs> uh, you know, right? And, but but still, it's like, boy, you've got to make certain you have that right. And if you're struggling to explain the gospel um, now, then it's probably even worse within your home. Yeah. And so,
0: make certain you have that most important thing clear in your own mind. And if you can—and just, uh, by the way, if you can explain <clears throat> the gospel to a four- or five-year-old, you can explain the gospel to anybody. And so even viewing that as a time to practice is worthwhile. In fact, I'll, you, I'll go well, I was no, going to ahead. say, learning to use simple language, um, making it clear, concise, these kinds of things, um, you'll discover quickly your skills or lack thereof when trying to describe the gospel to a four- or five-year-old.
1: Well, didn't you have that? I think you said this before, but when you worked for CareNet as their director.
0: Yeah. Yeah, well, at that point I had my seminary degree. Right. (laughs) So you've got it down theologically, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, But just in that practical way of having to now communicate this to somebody, and every situation was different. I I learned how much skill I lacked in being able to communicate the gospel to different kinds of people and in different settings with different lengths of time. And the more I did it, the more I became skilled in it. Um, But it was very revealing to me early on of you're bad at this <laughs> <laughs>
1: and i had the same experience being a jail chaplain you know you're looking at again messed up lives limited so, some of them had very limited education and how, how do how do i bring the simplicity and the necessity of the gospel to bear in a way not that somebody at grace community church would understand but this guy who's facing life in prison and has never gotten out of middle school, you know, I've, I've got to be able to communicate that. And so that helped me a lot as well. Uh, in fact, I, I would say here's a good uh, thing for especially those uh, who are part of Missio Day Fellowship. If you are not teaching Sunday school and part of the Sunday school ministry, um, I we would strongly encourage you to consider being part of that strongly, because it does. You're, you're now stuck in a room with um, anywhere from six to 1520 little ones and you're communicating these spiritual truths and you learn first of all you learn how to but you also start to begin to see them more as souls rather than just little kids it. That- or run around annoying people. Right. Um, so another one, do I strive to bring the person and presence of God into everything uh, I do? So in 1 Corinthians 10, 31, whether then you eat or drink or whatever you do, do all to the glory of God. Um, such a simple thing, but everything you do is worship. So right. how, how do I honor God in, in this? How do I honor God in my drinking, my eating, my sleeping, my play, my study.
0: Yeah. In other words, and we will say this one often is instead of asking the question what's wrong with it or what's permissible, it's what's most God-honoring about it and letting that question control your decisions and why you do things or why you don't do things. Uh, So we would say never forget these things. Having a child who excels in school, that is not the goal. Having a child who is popular or well-liked, that is not the goal. Having a child who is well expo- exposed to opportunities and extracurriculars, that's not the goal. Having a child who is well-behaved is not the goal. Having a child who professes to be saved also is not the goal. The, rather, the goal is to raise a child who shows a personal, growing relationship with Jesus Christ. Um, that the child models, in other words, being a true disciple of Christ. Yeah, and that's hard, but it, but it's
1: by doing a full-orbed Approach to your parenting. Uh, the next thing we'd say is be consistent, and this is huge. This is goes back to the uh, woman who asked questions about her two or three year old, or the um, and how do we work with things. Right now, just work on being consistent to the child. Probably the greatest hindrance to good parenting is this simple point. One of the simplest ways to exasperate your child, bring anger into your household, is to be inconsistent. So both parents have to be on the same pathway regarding the training of their child. Uh, So this is where it gets a little complex. Um, it, It shouldn't be, but it does because households are so dysfunctional and unbiblical today. Um, the headship submission model of the Bible becomes, comes into full play here. So in Matthew twelve twenty five, Christ himself said that the house divided against itself will not stand. And that simple principle in a home, when you have a wife and a husband, and they're not one mind about parenting, um, it's, the children figure that out really, really quickly. You know, I can ask it this way. Are you the soft parent or the hard parent. And, and if you're the soft one, that's the one that they're always going to. And so unless mom and dad are together on this and they're in agreement with what is the standard, you're gonna have strife. Um, the Bible says that a wife can build her house, <coughs> excuse me, or she can tear it down. So Proverbs 14, 1, the wise woman builds her house, but the foolish tears it down by her own hands. And you can see that with a wife who when dad's there she conforms to what he wants but when he goes off to work a whole new set of rules comes into play you you can call it whatever you want but you're tearing down your home and you're teaching your children disregard the voice of your father because i do and and then you're scratch your head when they're in their preteens and they're listening to other people well why should they you don't listen to the voice of your husband um your, your house is just a split home. Uh, it, it's a evil, great evil that somehow in our minds is not a big deal. Um, at the same time, though, the foolish husband will rebel against his God-ordained reality that he is the head of the home. So in Ephesians uh, 5, it says that he is the head of the wife. It That's an indicative. It's a fact, a reality. It's not that he's to become it, but by his very, fact that he's husband, he is the head of the home. Uh, so it doesn't make him any less the head when he is a foolish husband. It just means that he's a worthless head. <laughs> um, <laughs> and so everything that he is, is reflected in his household. It never amazes me or shocks me when I watch a, a lazy husband and father and an unfaithful, inconsistent father raise up lazy inconsistent, unfaithful children. It's like, well, that's you. That's you. You can't follow through on anything, um, and so he wonders how things got out of control of his life and home. Well, it's his home. What did he do? Uh, so we say this a lot: God does not bless disobedience. So don't expect
0: blessing when you choose to actively disobey the Lord. Yeah. So what what do you do? Do what can you do then to improve this consistency? We would say begin to set basic goals that need to be accomplished. So don't look so far down the road that you become discouraged with the amount of effort that this is going to take. Um, Remember that God will always support, he'll always strengthen and direct those who are obeying him. Um, So over the past episodes on parenting, you've hopefully been taking some inventory of the current state of your house uh, and your marriage and your children. Um, We would say now take two or three areas that need to be changed and just begin to put the changes into action. Yeah, that's
1: not real deep.
0: Yeah, you don't have to move this entire <laughs> ship all in one day. Um, so just start somewhere. Um, so one example would be in the area of marriage roles. If the wife is used to being the final say, or she's quite good at manipulating the conversation to get her way, then this would be a key area to begin to just stop. Um, the wife needs to begin to ask her husband for his direction and goals. Um the husband needs to start actually making decisions. And both begin to need to pray for one another and then encourage each other in those tasks as well. Um, If your child whines or cries whenever things don't go his way, then begin to discipline him or her immediately. Explain to the child that whining is rebellion. Tell him that from this point forward, he is going to be disciplined for whining and with no more warnings. Uh, He'll also not receive the thing that he's whining about. Uh, that simple. It, it really is that simple, though, isn't
1: it? Um, and and I'll just let you know uh, from personal example on that or personal experiences when we started doing that. When we realized, you know what, that child is just expressing, "I don't like it. and I'm going to make you all pay for your insistence that I do X." Uh, the, once we told them no, uh, him or her, it didn't matter. Um, They got disciplined immediately from that point on. No more warnings, no more. I told you to stop whining. It's, well, you know, you you chose to whine. So that's disobedience. Here's your discipline. Now go clean your room. And if they throw a fit, pick them back up. Oh, you want to continue? We'll discipline you again. And quickly, the child will learn. I mean, within a week, um, that it's kind of a miserable week, but within that week, they figured out, well, that door shut. (laughs) Um, But it's that simple. Uh, Another uh, thing that we would say uh, that you need to do, and this is the last one, I believe, is that the Bible abundantly shows that there are consequences attached to sinful choices. So, some of those choices are potentially life-threatening even. Uh, Proverbs 19.19 says that a man of great anger will bear the penalty, for if you rescue him, you will only have to do it again. Uh, This is a huge one I quote all the time to parents, um, very critical. The principle is very simple in this. Don't rescue a person from the consequences of sin. Instead, allow those consequences to occur so that the lesson can be learned. Um, You rescue your child from like a a teacher— is uh, disciplines your child sends home a note and says I'm going to flunk him? You should be going to defend the child, or that's unkind. Or uh you should be like, well, did you do what the, the teacher told him? No. Okay. Not only are you going to get discipline, but I'm going to go with you, and you're going to go seek your teacher's forgiveness, and you're going to do the work. And oh, by the way, you also have lost privilege of x for the next week. They they got to learn there's a consequence but to rescue children um it's just terrible. Yeah. Uh, terrible.
0: Well that's where the excuse making comes in, you know. like my child they just don't understand my child. Yeah. or s- things like that. It, th- that'll just that's destructive.
1: Oh, terrible. Uh, what if your child was wanting to buy a bicycle? Let's just use that as an example. But instead of saving money, they decided to systematically steal from your wallet small amounts of money and claim to have earned it by doing small chores. Now, yelling and screaming will not be the answer, um, and threats are not going to help. Telling the child that he'll never own a bicycle for the next 10 years is also not the answer either, but neither is simply maybe spanking him. The child is probably a lot more, I mean, the answer is a lot more complex than any of these. So let me kind of walk you through this. The first thing you would want to do is deal with the heart, because the actions of thievery and lying must be confronted from a biblical level. The parent needs to be able to show the child passages such as Proverbs 21.6, where it says, the acquisition of treasures by a lying tongue is a fleeting vapor, the pursuit of death. So here the parent is trying to teach the child anything gained through a lie uh, quickly fades. Or another passage would be Proverbs 12.22, lying lips are an abomination. Get that word through, an abomination to the Lord. There's nothing worse than an abomination. Yeah. Um, but those who deal faithfully are his delight. Now you'd be looking deep into the child's eye and clearly telling him that God utterly detest those who love a lie and that, that you need to make them clear that you too hate lying. You cannot tolerate it at all. And once you start seeing lies develop in a child, if you let that take root, oh, it's a it's a heartbreak because trying to uproot that is very difficult. So you deal with that early, early on uh, when they're starting to find a lie is very simple uh, then perhaps you would show in Proverbs 6, verses 16 and 17, that there are six things which the Lord hates, yes, seven, which are an abomination to him, haughty eyes, a lying tongue, the hands that, uh, hands that shed innocent blood, a heart that devises wicked plans, feet that run rapidly to evil. So here you can talk to him about the fact that not only was he lying, but that his heart was wickedly making these plans. And this is just such a great opportunity to then segue right into the gospel and and, and talk to him. The problem is your heart, buddy. Your heart is producing these things. It's dead in sin. And, and now you can start to talk about their great need of a Savior, um, because at this point, he is under his wrath and judgment of God. He's not... He's not in a neutral place. He's not in a happy place with God just because he goes to church and he memorizes his Bible verses. Now, this son of yours is a liar. Yep. <laughs> and and son, you need Christ. You need mm-hmm. and so now you're starting to bring the gospel to bear and and you're giving them a concrete example of what their heart is producing.
0: Yeah. So after you then deal with the heart, then after that, you would still need to discipline them. Um the question is, are you through at that point? And we would say perhaps, um, but we'd also say that parenting is not a cookie-cutter approach. So this is where discernment comes in and yeah. wisdom will play yeah. and, you know, figuring out what your, the propensities are of and your child. each child is different, right? Yeah. Yeah, maybe they have bents towards something or certain sins uh, that they're more prone to. Um, so, you know, the child m- might be utterly broken over his sin, and he is showing a true repentance here, and he's seeking to set things right before both God and man.
1: But be slow before you just assume because he's shedding a million tears that he, oh he's broken.
0: Yeah, I mean true repentance. He wants to make things right. Right, right. But again, if if what if what if this act or this in the example here theft um, is something that you notice your child is just bent toward or that lying? Um, Well, now would be a natural time to show them the natural consequences of evil actions. So you may want to show them, for example, Proverbs 6, 12 through 14, which says, "...a worthless person, a wicked man, is the one who walks with a perverse mouth, who winks with his eyes, who signals with his feet, who points with his fingers, who with perversity in his heart continually devises evil, who spreads strife. Therefore, his calamity will come suddenly." Instantly, he will be broken, and there will be no healing. Uh, those are hard words. Yeah. Um, so you m- you may explain that because of the seriousness of his actions, he's lost the privilege of owning a bicycle for a specific period of time. Um, so you're showing him his consequences there, right? There's consequences to your sins and your actions. And
1: That's, we're not talking a week. Make make the loss of a bicycle, something he really wants, painful.
0: Yeah, I should feel it. Um, and. By doing that, you're also going to – it's also going to help you determine the validity of that repentance that was being shown. Um, yeah. Does he say, that's not fair? Well, you now know right. <laughs> those crocodile tears <laughs> for actually. Okay, yeah. we'll just double that now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, so you know you're going to need to explain to him that he should – he needs to first pay back all of his stolen money plus extra before he considers buying – you know, now some extraneous item. So example from this Exodus 22, 1, if a man steals an ox or a sheep and slaughters it or sells it, he shall pay five oxen for the ox and four sheep for the sheep. So you even see that manifested in um, Zacchaeus, Yeah. right? There's a heart of true repentance where he was stealing. And then when he comes to understand his sin and he understands forgiveness, still after that, he says, I shall pay back fourfold. Why? Because there's a heart of genuine repentance there. And he didn't need to be told that. He just did it. Yeah. right. He
1: understood. This is what he needed to do to make right.
0: Yeah. So, there you go. Uh, we, uh, there's a few more principles for you for parenting. Uh, again, one, focus on your, your child, not others. Two, focus on the spiritual development of your child. And then three, be consistent. Um, three things to do. Uh, they're all very important, uh, but those last two are the huge ones to own and seek to do well. So we hope this has been helpful for you um, as you labor in what is probably one of the most important tasks in your entire life. And so may you seek to honor the Lord in it. But until next time, make sure to tune in, join the conversation. If you have any questions on the subject of parenting, drop us a note. And don't forget to like, share, comment, rate, and review. Connect with us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Tell a friend.